Let's just say I put him in a hole and threw away the hole. Welcome to the Suicide Squad cast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yep, we're big fans of all of what DC Comics is doing right now on the big and the small screen, so we want to make sure that we talk about all of it. Thank you for joining us today, so let's get started. My name is Scott. Yep, and my name is Tim, and we're so happy to be here with you this week. So Scott, what has been going on with you this week? Oh, just working my way to Thanksgiving break, my friend. Yeah. And selling a house, and right before recording, trying to unclog a sake. So, you know, life as usual. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm very happy to have you back after the audio problems that we had in our special edition DCEU Watchmen episode that we dropped uh, just a few days ago. I know. It's so stunk not to be on that because <laughs> I was, I, I, you understand, I was there as co-host. It was just in my car by myself. Yeah. Well, I will have to say, you know, as we were recording with our guest host, Justin Shanlian, I could hear you correcting my bad grammar and my pronunciation of Ozymandias. Yeah. Ozymandias. Ozymandias. Okay. So yes. I, I was waiting for that. So and the dr- and the drinking game I was doing every time you call the film the Watchmen. <laughs> it's Watchmen, Tim. I know it's, it's Watchmen, Watchmen, but it's you know I always call them the Watchmen because that was the name of the group. So and take a shot. Yeah, That's take a pretty shot. Pretty much my idea. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, glad to have you back. Good to be back. Yep. So anyway, let's get started. We had some fun news this week, and we want to get right into it. Yeah. So going into Suicide Squad, kind of light this week, but a couple of interesting things. Uh. You want to talk about Scott Eastwood because you're the one who's got your theory going on about this guy. <laughs> right. And I'm not the only one. There's been others that have said it as well. But uh, there was a set photo that kind of uh, made its way to the interwebs uh, this week. And and it was a, a picture of Scott Eastwood in uniform. He's wearing a military uniform. And in the set photo, there was a name on the side of his arm that people were trying to zoom in on and see what it said. And some of the speculation was that the name was actually Hoper or Noper. And and when I looked at it, I, I couldn't really necessarily say it was that. Uh, it almost actually looked like two words to me, um, the words no pen. Uh, but it might also have been the, the name Roper. But the speculation on this was people were trying to figure out, okay, does this guy actually have a name? And, uh, you know, does that give any clues about what, what he might actually be playing uh, in the movie? Now, I, you know, speculated amongst other people as well that, you know, I think there is a there is a small possibility that maybe he's a, a Batman plant and could actually be maybe Dick Grayson. Or it could be, you know, there, there's some other characters characters in there as well that we haven't really identified what the role is but that was basically it, just a little bit there so I don't know do you have any thoughts on that well see my problem is that if it's on his right shoulder that's not where like if he's wearing a military uniform that's not where you put your name mm-hmm. your name goes over your left breast you know if it's something on your right shoulder that's usually like a unit name mm-hmm. or something else so I'm just picking this apart by like how a uniform is designed and you don't put your name on your shoulder yeah You're, so I, I don't know if there's really anything to go with mm-hmm. I think I think it's still a I think it's a very strong mystery still because I, I don't think this is really what people think it is. Yeah, I think you might be right. I mean, I know some people were digging into it and they found some examples of, you know, soldiers in uniform that seem to have their name on the right shoulder. But, uh, you know, it certainly I agree with you. I think the, the normal convention, it would be the unit. So anyway, moving on, though, we actually had a little bit of Jai Courtney coming in here. Now, our very own Jai Courtney, who, of course, playing Captain Boomerang, or I think they refer to him as just Boomerang. Yeah, it's, but it's still Captain Boomerang. 
boomerang no matter what they call him. Yeah, we, he, he will always be a captain to us. He apparently won the GQ Australia's Actor of the Year Award. And uh, of course, Jai Courtney is Australian. And uh, so there's some kind of award ceremony or whatever that he won. And in it, you know, they had to jump in there and say, hey, you know, can you tell us anything about uh, Suicide Squad? And he really didn't have much to say here. Um, you know, he's being a good trooper and not, not revealing anything about the film. But, you know, he just went on and said, look, you know, this is poised to be something very special. So anyway, so congratulations to Jai Courtney for winning that award. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering, though, actor of the year, like, is it just like actors in general? Or did they name him after a particular film he was in this past year? <laughs> you know, I'm not even sure. And, you know, and since this is GQ Australia, is it just Australian actors? See, that's what I would. Yeah. So so basically it was him versus um, uh, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Hugh, Hugh Jackman, who was he anything past this past year? Uh, Pan. Oh, that's right. He was in Pan. OK, so anyway, so we'll see. We'll we'll find out maybe down the road uh, what that really means. Yeah. And now moving on to Batman v Superman, the merchandise train just keeps on going woo woo <laughs> down the track. Yep, and we're going to be seeing a lot of that uh, for the next four months here as we get closer to the movie. In fact, you know, for for those of you that kind of anticipate these movies coming up, you know that we usually get lots of clues when it comes to some of the early merchandising uh, that we see. So this one was actually, um, it was kind of amusing. Uh, a couple Mattel figures here. One of them was a Batman figure. One of them is a Superman figure. And they're about a foot tall. And in these these figures themselves, they actually have five different points of articulation. But the, the, the figures themselves will actually light up a little bit. And and the other thing that's kind of interesting is they each play different phrases from presumably the Batman v Superman movie. So I'd love to hear those right now. But um, to my knowledge, we haven't heard any of these sounds being made or being recorded on the Internet yet. But I guess Batman wins in a number of phrases. <laughs> well, Batman always wins. <laughs> that's right. And so the other thing, too, is Batman has these little deployable wings in his armored suit in the, you know, which is OK. You know, you'd expect they, they want to gadget this up a little bit, but they actually put some kind of mechanical wings in Superman as well. And that's where they kind of lost me. Well, remember, Tim, you're not the audience toys. Right, exactly. That it's is a called good point. toys. <laughs> Children. Yeah. And what did you just order this past week? Shut up. <laughs> um, moving on. Batmobile, Batmobile news. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but, you know, Warner Brothers Studios has a VIP tour. Mm-hmm. And Zack Snyder announced, I, I'm not sure about the time frame, but recently Zack Snyder announced that the Batmobile from Batmobile. Batman v Superman and all the costume were going to be displayed as part of the VIP tour. Mm-hmm. And so Variant Comic did a video interview with, I guess, one of the studio guides, and they walked through all the different Batmobiles. But at the end of the video, at about the eight and a half minute mark, yeah, they talk about the Batman v Superman Batmobile mm-hmm. and kind of some of its um, its features that it's 20 feet long and 12 feet wide, and that if you look at it it's dinged up beat up and it, it's used mm-hmm. it, it actually and they bring this up too which is we're dealing with a batman who's not at the beginning of his career yeah we're actually dealing with a batman who is slightly past his prime so his stuff is you know it, it's old it's been beat up it's been beat up he's been batman for about 20 years mm-hmm. you know his stuff is not bright and shiny anymore and so that was kind of cool to yeah. see well and the thing i love about this too and we'd heard in the past that the batmobile was was kind of like evolving over time and you know in this universe and that things were constantly being added to the Batmobile and I just love the idea that this thing's been around for a long time and it's, and it's got a lot of stories behind it a lot of a lot of different you know pro- 
probably nicks and dents and scratches, whatever else, you know, it, it might have gone. So, yeah, I love the idea. I mean, this again, you know, all the Batman that we've seen on film up to this point has been Batman pretty much starting at the beginning of his career. And this will be the first time that we've really seen somebody at their prime or, as you said, Scott, you know, slightly past the prime. And uh, I think this is just going to be such an interesting era. And so seeing that the Batmobile is going to also reflect that as well has, has really got me pumped. But you actually, did you see for the Arkham Knight game, the DLC pack, they actually have the skin for yes. this now? Well, not yet. It, it drops on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So if we release on Sundays. So on but Tuesday, there's a video 20th, of it. There is a video of it. And we will be retweeting it through our, our Twitter account. But they apparently, months ago, even before we knew what the Batman v Superman Batmobile was going to look like, yeah. they had already gotten scans and models and specs so that they construct um, the avatar for the video game. Mm-hmm. And it comes with a neat little testing racetrack. It will be playable in-game because apparently they're adding a new patch to the game where all these new Batmobiles will be able to be played in Gotham City. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you get the Batflex skin. Yeah. That is what I'm so looking forward to. So it's Tuesday, people. It's <laughs> Tuesday. Yeah. It'll be a couple days after this episode comes out that you should be able to download it. Which is interesting because uh, the interview on Variant Comic talked about the, the Batman v Superman Batmobile will have two modes. Mm-hmm. A driving mode and a battle mode, which for anyone who's played Arkham Knight is basically the Batmobile controls for that video game. Yeah. And the idea is that it sits really low to the ground so that it can be well handled and driving for speed. But then it actually raises up when it's in a battle mode, probably kind of more like a, a tank kind of formation. So once again, I really think this might be one of the best on-screen Batmobiles. Now, granted, I'm saying that before the movie comes out, but it's a feeling I have, Tim. Yeah. I've got a feeling deep inside that this might be the best Batmobile yeah. on screen. Yeah, I, I think you might be right. And and I just wanted to kind of add on to what you said. I, I want to clarify because we were talking about the uh, Batman v Superman Batmobile on screen, but also in the video game. And, and what Scott's referring to is the actual Batmobile in the movie is said to actually change stature. And so in battle mode, it'll actually raise up and be in a little bit more elevated. And then when it's driving, it'll it'll drop, you know, lower to the ground and uh, it'll, you know, be a lot more conducive for maneuvering. So it'll be real fun. The, the last thing, kind of jumping back to the Arkham Knight video that we saw, I thought it was really interesting to see that the Batmobile actually had flames shooting out the back. So I wonder yeah. if that was indicative of information they were given about what we expect to see in the movie. But uh, Or if it was just something that looked cool for the video game. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see, you know. So maybe that might be a hint about what we might see in the actual Batman v Superman Batmobile on film. So I think you have to have flame. I just really do. Well, I just think it's an easy win. I mean, who who's going to complain about that? No, everyone's going to love it. There's going to be so many people that are going to see it and just have all these fond memories of, of not only the original time that we saw it on screen uh, in Batman 66, but, you know, a couple other times that we've seen it. Well, every time we've seen it, Tim. And why has, it, time. has there been flames every single time? Every single time. Does the Tumblr have flames? The Tumblr has flames. Because okay. remember, he would shoot across roofs. Your age is showing, sir. Your age is showing. <laughs> I just can't distinctly remember the flames so much. I do remember him, you know, driving on the rooftop, but uh, I don't remember the flames. Oh, yes. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Remember, you can blame him, not Scott. Scott, remember. Yep. And that's why we have you. You are the DC encyclopedia. Thank you. Yep. We had some Wonder Woman news, though. We have a to lot move on of to Wonder that. Woman news. Yeah. We do have to touch on that. Now, just as a reminder, we are actively, I guess it's not exactly confirmed, but it's more than likely we are filming, beginning filming, or just about to begin filming uh, right now over in the UK on the set with Wonder Woman. So we actually had an actor, and his name is um, Saeed uh, Tagmui, and he 
is actually a, a French, uh, a French-born actor, and he's actually quite popular over there in France. And you know, we saw him most recently in American Hustle, but he was also, I think, in the movie Three King. Um, Saeed posted on his Facebook account a photo of him and Chris Pine. Now we know Chris Pine has been largely rumored to be playing Steve Trevor. Well, it's not uh, rumored; it's confirmed. Well, yeah. yeah, it's confirmed. But we were trying to figure out what era he was going to be playing Steve Trevor in, because it's also been rumored that Wonder Woman was going to be appearing in two to three different eras uh, in time. And so we were, you know, what we don't know is if Steve Trevor was going to be in one of the eras of being World War One, if he was going to just going to be in that era, or if he was going to be in modern day. And so this picture, when you see it, and um, if you just search for it on the internet, you should be able to find it pretty easily. But it's a picture of Saeed and Chris Pine sitting in front of a trailer that's got the little placard that says Nightingale, which is kind of the, uh, the code name for the film. But they are wearing what does not look like World War II garb, but it looks very much like World War One garb. So, and they're sitting in front of a trailer, and they're they seem to be in World War One attire. It doesn't look like the classic and very often seen World War Two type of uniforms, but this looks very much like World War One. So, so the question is, is this actually Steve Trevor? And that's what we really are not sure about. Now, Steve Trevor is actually rumored to be appearing in the modern day uh, timeline for Wonder Woman. In this picture, it would be evident that Chris Pine is playing a character around the World War One era. So the question is, is this where we are actually seeing Steve Trevor, maybe his ancestor, maybe his grandfather, played by Chris Pine as well? Well, see, I, I feel like I addressed this a few episodes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe even episode eight, I think it was, where I think that this kind of ties back into the uh, what they did with the Linda Carter show, where when she time jumped from World War II to the 70s, and yet they kept the same actor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think there's precedent for this, and it allows for her origin story to happen earlier than present day, and yet still have Steve Trevor be the one who discovers Themyscira. Yeah. Which I think would work out fine. Now, the question is that, would the grandfather be called Steve Trevor, and the modern-day version be called Steve Trevor? Yeah. Like, is it one of those things, would it be one of those things where, well, he got named after his grandfather, so it's just convenient that he's the exact same name? Yeah. Well, and I think it'd, it'd be perfectly fine if they took a few liberties and just used a different name, uh, first name, and for Trevor. Um, but so it was actually uh, Umberto Gonzalez out of Heroic Hollywood that is he's got some rumors, and again, we'll classify these as purely rumors at this point. But he he not only kind of like states what we just had said that Chris Pine is playing his grandfather uh, in the World War One era, and maybe great grandfather, I guess. Um, but he's he's playing two different characters. But he also said that what he's hearing is that that Steve. Trevor, or at least the older Trevor, uh, actually is the one that crashed down on Themyscira. And we know that from the comic books that it was Steve Trevor that actually landed on uh, Wonder Woman's Island. But in this incarnation, it seems like that the great-grandfather or grandfather is actually the one that plainly crashed on the island. And then he's actually the one that kind of showed Diana the outside world. And then in, and he goes on to say that Steve Trevor in the modern day or the present day will actually come across Diana and she'll actually kind of recognize the resemblance of the one that she knew from back in the World War One era. So anyway, Anyway, so I think it's really cool. I like the idea that Chris Pine might be playing both roles. You know, I, I love the I love the World War One era setting because we don't see that quite honestly a whole lot. And I like the idea of actually seeing it in the film. And yeah. uh, and then actually having it in the modern day would means that you know we can see him in movies going forward as well. So which we were talking about this before we started recording that we still have heard no word about whether Chris Pine has signed any kind of multi picture deal. Yeah, I mean I know there's the rumor floating around that there was like maybe a two to three picture movie deal, but I don't think that's 
solid by any means at this point, but I think it's probably likely they did get him for a multi-picture deal. But, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see when some official word comes out. But now moving on, Saeed um, Tagmui actually talked more about his role in Wonder Woman. And in the French magazine, L'Economiste, he actually was interviewed by them and he revealed some different things about the movie that we just didn't even know about. First one was that he said that the movie has a budget of about $300 million. Now, prior to this, we heard that Batman v Superman was going to be around $410 million, I believe was the number. And so Which this, means that they're spending about as much money on Wonder Woman as they do on Batman v Superman. So that's impressive to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, this kind of shows me that, I mean, if, if this number is true, and, and this is being quoted by Saeed, so $300 million, it just tells me that Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment, they're taking this very seriously. They know this is going to be the first time we see Wonder Woman on film, and it's going to be really the first modern interpretation of a female superhero on film. And so they seem like they're going all in on this. And uh, with that kind of money being spent, you know, this should be a pretty epic film in terms of, you know, what kind of settings we're going to have. So, well, they got a six month filming schedule, apparently, where they're traveling through the United Kingdom, Italy, Morocco. And there was a question mark about the Far East, whether that was going to figure into the filming schedule or not. So, I mean, they're 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 traveling the world, which I feel like, once again, that does not show you a small scale production. Mm -hmm. Usually, if you stay in one spot, you use a lot of studio work. You know, that's where you're trying to save money. And it looks like that's not their concern here. Their concern is to make this a big budget, full feature film. They're not holding back on Wonder Woman's first solo screen performance. Yep. No, I mean, it's really cool. You know, Saeed actually went on in his interview to talk some more about uh, his character in general. Now, he said that his character, at least, you know, what his role is, is going to remain very secret, to kind of quote him. Uh, but he did say that he's a good guy character. And I know some websites were kind of erroneously reporting that as that he was a superhero character. And uh, if you look at the proper translation, that's that's not what he's saying. Uh, so he's going to be a good guy character. So, you know, he maybe he's military or something. We don't really know what his role exactly will be. But I don't think there's necessarily any indication that he's super powered. But he went on to say that, you know, this has been a big physical preparation for him. So that kind of makes me think, well, what what was so physically demanding about it? You know, so maybe is it just, you know, he's trying to portray uh, maybe somebody in the military. I'm not really sure. But I was trying to think about what character, though, in Wonder Woman lore he would fit into, though. Well, I mean, he's dressed similarly to Chris Pine's character. So that makes me think that they're probably military. And I don't know that there's any other military character um, other than Steve Trevor that has any kind of real significance. Um, so he could just very well be, you know, somebody that you're going to just kind of help develop and explain who Steve Trevor is early in the film, you know, before he meets Diana. And the way they'll do it is with uh, Saeed. Hey, 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 Tim, I just saw something uh, on my internet. Um, apparently, Warner Brothers has just released a press release involving the Wonder Woman solo film. Okay, yeah, I'm pulling that up right now. Okay, here uh, we go. It uh, looks like print photography is underway, and we've got some confirmed cast members, actually. Okay. Uh, looks like, you know, we got Gal Gadot, we were expecting that. Right. Uh, we've got Chris Pine, we're expecting that. But then we got a whole bunch of names we haven't heard of yet. Wow, look at this, Robin Wright. And Danny Houston, and David, I never know how to pronounce his last name, David Thewlis? Yeah, he was in um, The Theory of Everything. Yeah, well, I also know him from uh, Dragonheart, he was the evil king. Oh, right. 
Oh my god, I love that movie. Uh, but then the rest of these names I don't know. Uh, Ewan Bremner. Yep. And then uh, we've talked about Saeed. Yes, we've just got done talking about Saeed. So yeah, uh, Elena Anaya. Yeah, Elena Anaya. Anaya. Don't know her. And Lucy Davis, who apparently is from Shaun of the Dead. Oh, she's she, the she's the blonde girl, right? From Shaun of the Dead. Uh, is she like uh, Simon Pegg's girlfriend? Yeah, I think so. Oh man, that was I love that movie. <laughs> I think that's who it is, but we'll have to confirm. I mean, we're just kind of we're just kind of reading this as we get it. So I mean, okay. This just happened. Okay, film is being produced by Chuck Roven, Zack Snyder, Deborah Snyder, all the you know all the other people, including Jeff Johns. Uh, oh, we got some crew too. Uh, looks like uh, we have a director of photography, uh, Matt Jensen, uh, was did Chronicle, Fantastic Four, and Game of Thrones. Okay. Okay. We got a production designer who was part of Amelia, a very long engagement, and Pan. Okay. Uh, an editor who worked on Ooh Chicago. Uh, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit and V for Vendetta and costume designer Lindy Hemming who wow did the Dark Knight trilogy and Topsy Turvy which I think she won an Oscar for okay wow so cool so we're finally getting some news really as we're recording here so this is this is really great so okay so one thing we're not seeing here are the three names that we've been talking about recently which we've always said were rumored um, there was no kind of confirmation whatsoever on them but uh, one of them is Nicole Kidman is not mm. present in this no, which I think Robin Wright probably got the role she was in negotiation for. So, I mean, we we kind of been hearing some talk that maybe the Nicole Kidman thing was not going to be able to happen because she's, I think she's busy, or uh, she's got commitment to that HBO series. What is Big it? Little Lies? Yeah, Big Little Lies, right. So, okay, so it sounds like at least at this point, Nicole Kidman uh, has not signed on to the film. And then the other two uh, was Sean Bean. Not signed on. Yeah, not signed on. And then... Ava Green. Yeah, Ava Green, right. Oh, I'm sad about that. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, just knowing a few of these actors here, you know, I definitely love Robin Wright. So I'm pretty oh, excited yeah. about that. I, you know, we're just guessing that, you know, she's probably playing Hippolyta. Hippolyta, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was my guess. Danny Houston. I don't know if they're going, he's usually such a creepy guy. I mean, I would think Ares, but he's old enough that maybe he's Zeus. Yeah. I don't know. And then David, David Thurless, uh, you know, he, he's done good guys and bad guys. I mean, he was the creepy king in Dragonheart. But he also played, you know, that professor in the Harry Potter movies that turned into a werewolf. Yeah. So I don't know. Hmm. Well, I mean, at this point, uh, I'm just happy to finally hear some kind of confirmation of who these, you know, who the actors are going to be in this film. And and it also said here that we're definitely underway right now with photography. Yeah. Oh, oh, another thing. Uh, Gal Gadot just tweeted something on her uh, Twitter account. Uh, let me let me bring that up. Ooh, it's a nice, it's a nice picture. Wow. Uh, you get the bracelet. Uh, you see Big Ben in the back. Yep. Okay. All right. So we need to describe this to the listeners here. I'm imagining they'll probably have seen this by the time they hear this, but it's this beautiful picture of Gal Gadot and she's got this hood over her and it's kind of like this grayish, maybe bluish. It's a cloak. It's like a cloak of some sort. And uh, she's wearing the tiara. I don't know. Is it still a tiara? Tiara? If it's over her forehead? Uh, I'm calling it a tiara. Yeah. Anyway, she's wearing that. You could see the little, um, looks to be like a little eight pointed star front and center. Right. You got the bracers on. Yeah. And she's got some leather wrappings around her hands yeah okay and then you can just you can just definitely see big ben and an old london kind of foggy fuzzy in the background yeah so definitely a little bit of confirmation it looks like clay Enos has tweeted this as well oh he has yeah okay okay uh the the gal gadot one said almost 75 years in the making hashtag wonder woman is underway okay wow this is awesome so wow so kind of perfect timing we we're able to kind of slip this in but uh well i'm sure we'll be talking about this uh, a lot more next week but 
I'm um, really happy we're able to kind of get this in while we're recording. Oh, fantastic. All right. So, hey, let's go ahead and move on then, man. This is great. Well, I don't think we can talk about Wonder Woman without actually talking about the woman herself. So mm-hmm. Gal Gadot actually was interviewed in Interview Magazine. There's mm-hmm. a catchy title. <laughs> and she did a photo shoot. There's some, there's some nice photos there. She's an attractive woman. She is an attractive woman. Uh, but she was interviewed and she talked a lot about the role. And one of the first things she wanted to say was when she decided to become an actress, mm-hmm. she wanted to play you know a strong the stronger side of women. She didn't want to be the damsel in distress. Right. And then, of course, she kind of snickered at the irony that not long after that, she would get cast one, yeah. <laughs> one of the strongest female characters you can possibly play. Right, right. Well, and then she actually kind of elaborated more on actually playing Wonder Woman. And, you know, she goes, she acknowledges, you know, that she's been given this huge, huge opportunity to inspire people. And it's it's not just women, but it's everyone in general. And, you know, she acknowledges, hey, you know, there's a lot of responsibility with this. And so she just wants to take that head on. And she says, look, this is going to be an amazing ride. And uh, so she seems like she's really pumped up for it. Yeah. And then she also talked about pleasing superhero fans and pretty much the fact that <laughs> you can't. No, it's impossible. Impossible. She said, no matter what you do, you can never please them all. People are always going to have something to say. Yeah. Well, yeah, they are. But she said, for me, it's my job. It's rear. And whatever she's going to do, she's going to take seriously. Yeah. And she said her only hope is that she can inspire people through her work and her performance. And yeah. you know what? That's that's all you can really ask. Mm-hmm. So I know that sometimes we've levied you know, slight criticisms or just things that we're like, oh, this maybe we would have liked this. But I don't feel like it's ever been directed toward her. Right. Like an attack on her. And I don't think it would be fair to attack her. She's doing her job and I can't wait to see her do the best she can do with it. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, I got to remember, we still have yet to hear what she's actually going to sound like uh, in this role. I do like the idea, you know, when they cast her in this role, you know, she's she's an Israeli born actress and, you know, she's got a distinct accent. And I actually like that. I mean, it, you know, Wonder Woman's supposed to be exotic. She's from a foreign land. She's from, of course, she's got all the Greek mythology background and all that. And I like the idea that she's not going to sound like some typical American, you know, somebody with American English. So uh, I can't wait to kind of actually see what she sounds like when she, you know, when we first hear her first line. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Oh, how many months away is it, Tim? Uh, it's, mu- it's almost four. Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, it's, it's about 125 gonna... days or so. Oh, counting down. <laughs> counting down. Well, we got to talk about The Flash because news stories started popping up. So Seth Graham Smith, our writer and director of The Flash film, was in London where Wonder Woman is filming. Now, was it clear, Tim, whether or not he was there because Wonder Woman was filming there? Or was he just in London and it just happened to be a coincidence? Yeah, that's the big mystery. I mean, I, I think the reason he was in London had more to do with Jeff Johns being there. Which uh, Jeff, Jeff Johns, of course, is the creative, the chief creative officer for DC Comics. And then not only that, he's the he's one of the executive producers of Wonder Woman. And pretty much all the DCEU films. Um, well, that's not entirely true. He's an executive producer on this. Batman v Superman. Uh, he's not an, he's, he is not an executive producer on Batman v Superman. Well, he was listed at one point he's a producer oh well, okay excuse so, me yeah let's let's not throw around that executive title so loosely here scott um, uh, but yeah he, he's an executive producer on two of the dce film and maybe the other one is flash um but at any rate so you know so jeff johns is there obviously because you know we're starting production on wonder woman so maybe this was a chance and maybe the only opportunity for you know seth graham smith to get some face time with jeff johns to talk about flash but you know who knows maybe there is some kind of tie between barry allen and wonder woman and you know when i always think 
think about that, you know, I kind of go back to the DC animated universe and there was always that, that toy, you know, that little playful uh, crush that Flash had. And in, in this case, it was actually Wally West, but, but that little playful crush that he had on Wonder Woman uh, in the animated series. So who knows, maybe there's some kind of interaction that may happen, you know, in the Wonder Woman film with Flash. You know, that's just pure speculation at this point. Well, then also Seth Graham Smith on his Instagram account posted a photo that was a, was a vintage set photo from the 1990s Flash TV show with John Wesley Shipp and yeah. Mark Hamill. And uh, the caption below the picture just said, Squad Goals. Yeah. So. so it made you think, is this kind of the direction he's going? Like, is the trickster going to be the bad guy in the Flash movie? Yeah. Well, I mean, Who he, knows? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be so fun to actually have the trickster as the character because, you know, there's going to be so many different rogues gallery enemies of the Flash that we're going to see on TV prior to the movie coming out. So I'm kind of wondering, like, who would be the best villain to have in, you know, we'll call it the first Flash film. We'll be optimistic about it. So I don't know. I mean, if you could, you know, pen the script right now, Scott, who would you pick as the Flash villain? Well, see, I would, I don't know, for the first film, Mm -hmm. I don't know, because I know, like, probably by, like, the second film, you would want the rogues. Right. You would want the whole team. Sure. So... I don't know. I, you know. No, I do know. The turtle. <laughs> the turtle? I, I was definitely going to say that. Or I, I was actually thinking of the top. Oh, ooh. <laughs> Who knows? So that, 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 yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a dead heat right there. It is a dead two. heat. So faithful listeners, now you know why we are not writing scripts for, the watch movie for, for movies. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I You know, the one guy I've always kind of liked, and I think you could really do some cool things on the big screen, would be Mirror Mask. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Especially Especially if you do like the mirror dimension uh-huh. and, you, and you do it up right. Because I remember when they did, when Flash was on the Batman cartoon mm-hmm. and the, the and the mirror master was the bad guy for that episode. Right. And they just did some really cool thing. And I feel like that's a character that is really underutilized. Right. So I don't know. And there's some, and there's Mark Wade stories during his Wally West mm-hmm. run that did some creepy, cool things with mirror master. So yeah. I think, you know, if you're looking for a PG-13 movie, there's some places you can go there, and I don't feel like you're going to step on a lot of people's expectations of the character. Yeah, I don't know. So that would be that would be kind of my guess. But I mean, there's so many. There's you know, let's face it. There's three characters in comics that have the best villains altogether. There's Batman. He's got the best villain. Um, the Flash. The Flash, of course, is great. And then we also have Spider-Man. Spider-Man's got a great gallery of, of villains, well. But yeah, wrong universe, Tim. Wrong universe. Hey, hey we don't hate on Marvel. We, we don't hate on Marvel. No, we don't hate on Marvel. But we talk about DC. So I don't know. I, I, I think you could pick pretty much anybody there and just have a lot of great stories, but I would go with Mirror Master. Now, did you see this story about Ezra Miller trying to talk about how his Flash was going to be different than Grant Gustin's? Yeah, I mean, it's not breaking news. Uh, you know, when you read this, you could tell that Ezra Miller is being very cautious and careful about what he says. You could say he's, uh, you know, taking his NDAs very seriously and not disclosing anything. But, you know, he went on to kind of acknowledge that, hey, you know, there's going to be two different Flashes. And and he said, well, hey, you know, the, the biggest difference is for First of all, you know, this is going to be a movie and that's TV. Um, so, but he wants his Flash to have, you know, a lot of different dimensions. And I think that's going to be kind of hard to pull off in a movie because, you know, when you look at the TV series, Grant Gustin, they've got what, let's say roughly 22, 23 hours a season to develop the character. And you're going to have Ezra Miller trying to develop his Flash character in, in a span of about two hours in his solo film. And so that's going to be pretty tough to do. But he went on to just say that it's the heroism of someone who is flawed and is a deeply, you know, human person. You know, that's what he's hoping to get out of this, his interpretation of the Flash film. So, I mean, he doesn't really give away
give away much here, but it's it's good to see. He continues to talk about the Flash, and he seems like he's definitely into the character. You know, of course, we saw the video of him prior to this where he was thrilled to be signed a multi-year contract with the Flash, and so we'll just have to look and see where it goes from here. Okay. Now we kind of got called out on Twitter this, and there was a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, some listeners felt like we didn't do justice by mentioning the Mara rumor involving Justice League Part One. Yeah. And in complete disclosure, my audio problem started creeping up again last week, just like when I got kicked off of the Watchmen show by Tim because he just can't deal with me when I'm being, you know, an audio diva. <laughs> and we didn't get to talk about it because we just had to get off as soon as possible. But we saw this mm-hmm. and we wanted to talk about it a little bit. So, Tim, what are your thoughts about the possibility that Mira will be in Justice League Part 1? Yeah, so this came from, uh, I think it was Umberto Gonzalez again from Heroic Hollywood. And so his sources, and I think he was getting them from some talent agencies, but apparently they were doing some research on Mira. They want to know a little bit more about what is this Mira character? You know, you know, what do we really need to try to, you know, the fine talent that would fill the role of Mira? So he was saying that, look, Mira is going to be part of Justice League. Now, what I don't know, I don't know that necessarily means that she's going to be a member of the Justice League. And at the same time, I mean, just because a talent agency is searching for information about the character Mira doesn't mean that she has any kind of real significant role. It could be something quite minor. I, I think it probably is a little bit more serious um, because it's going to be very likely that whoever they cast is going to play a major role in the Aquaman solo movie. So anyway, so uh, we just did want to acknowledge that it is rumored and it's probably a pretty good confirmation that she will play some kind of role in the Justice League movie itself. Now, did you see did you see the uh, the sort of fan photoshopped photo where they took Amelia Clark, um, you know, Jason Momoa's a co-star from Game of Thrones uh-huh. and did her up as Mira? Oh, I hadn't seen that. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of fun. You yeah. know, it, it, it's a, it's a great little nod to the Game of Thrones fans <laughs> of which I am one. But um, it was kind of cool. Yeah. So if, if you've got like five ways on the Internet, look that up. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll get a nice little awe from it. Nice. So did she still have the brown eyebrows? Uh, I didn't pay that close attention. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Right. Okay. Now, we got more from that Chuck Roven Collider interview that we like totally milked for everything it was worth last week. Yeah. But um, he did reveal that Justice League and Wonder Woman will be shot in the UK. But he came out and said that Justice League's part one and two will not film back to back. Yeah. That was the big assumption and maybe rumor that was going around for quite a while that they were going to be filming back to back. And and this was going to be probably for two reasons. You know, for one, that you've got everyone together you've got all the sets um, you know try to try to take advantage of all that as much as possible and try to film both back to back and then it's also you know from a budgetary standpoint it's, it's probably got to be more cost effective but the fact is he's saying that they will not be filmed back to back now when I hear that I it makes me think that as they're trying to get all these different schedules arranged and you know obviously Ben Affleck's gonna be a tough one because he's got lots of projects that he want to do and it's gonna be tough to basically wrap him up for what was it 16 months we're talking yeah so maybe when it's all said and done, they just really can't do these back-to-back anymore. And, uh, you know, we know that they're going to be released two years apart, so maybe there's going to be some kind of pause in there so that some of these other, you know, actors can, you know, do some of the other projects that they're committed to or, you know, want to do. But anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. So, you know, maybe maybe there won't be as much of a tie that's presumed between Justice League Part 1 and Part 2. You know, maybe there'll be more independent standalone. So that's just all kind of speculation on my part here. Yeah, I just it's just calling it Part 1 and Part 2 just seems to imply that there will be a connection. 
connection. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. Yeah. And I think it would be smart to have a connection like that. You know, I always kind of go back to, you know, when I was a kid, when Empire Strikes Back came out and the way that thing ended with that little cliffhanger. Um, I don't want to give away any spoilers here, but I think you've had plenty of time to see the film. But spoilers for a movie that's 35 (laughs) years old. Really? (laughs) Yep. So but when they left, you know, Han Solo, like frozen. And then that's basically how the film ended. I was almost out of my mind, could not wait for the next film to come so I could finally see what happened. And I would love to kind of see that done again. Yeah, I would have felt that way too if I had been born yet. (laughs) Well, you know, it's not my fault you were a little bit behind the time. Okay, this is what we got to talk about, Tim. Oh my goodness, did you see all the justly dark news yeah. this week? Yep. Oh, tell the people about it because I'm I'm I can't speak right now. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, this was a great one. So now, Justice League Dark. I mean, it's been rumored and talked about for quite a while. Uh, it's also known as Dark Universe. Another name floats around film, but we know that you know Guillermo del Toro was a uh, long part of the development of it, trying to get this thing to the big screen. But we know he's always usually juggling about fifteen or twenty different projects at the same time. Well, he had recently moved on to focus on Pacific Rim 2. And it was kind of curious that it was it basically implied that this project was going to be dead in the water. Well, that's when uh, Scott Rudin came in and he's like a mega producer in Hollywood. And he jumped on this thing and wanted to fast track getting this thing to the big screen. And it's probably happening because DC went back and recognized that, you know, hey, Suicide Squad is getting a ton of attention right now. So there is an interest in seeing kind of maybe of a darker side of the DC universe here. And so it seems that uh, this is being fast-tracked by Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment. So of course they got Scott Rudin. Jump on it. Well, it seems like he's jumped in head first because we're starting to hear all kinds of little bits and pieces about this film leak out. The first one being, and um, for you Matt Ryan fans out there, you may want to cover your ears, Colin Farrell and Ewan McGregor are being rumored to being looked at to play John Constantine on the big screen. Now, you guys know I love Matt Ryan and I would love to see him play this role on the big screen because I just want to keep seeing more of Matt Ryan's Constantine. But quite honestly, you know, you want like mega star power. And if you can get Colin Farrell or Ewan McGregor to play John Constantine, that's where I have to say, okay, let's do it. You know, well, see, for me, when I heard that rumor, as much uh, as much as I adore Ewan McGregor Mm -hmm. and I will see Ewan McGregor about anything, he didn't strike me as a John Constantine type. But Colin Farrell, (laughs) oh, as soon as someone said it, I was like, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what our listeners think about it, but for me, it was like, yes, Mm -hmm. yeah, just dye his hair blonde. Yeah. (laughs) And he's smart. He's swarmy. He's a fill in the blank word for a guy who's not particularly nice. I mean, but yet can be kind of likable. I actually think about he was in the remake of Fright Night where Mm -hmm. he was the bad guy, but he was very likable as the bad guy. Yeah. So I really see this. Like, I, I want this rumor to be true because I think he could sell that. Yeah. I would enjoy that cat. Yeah. I don't know if there's any other character I would really want Colin Farrell to play in the DC universe, although I do want him in there. And when I heard this, I'm like, you know, I can definitely see that. And I would be all for this. Um, oh. Yeah. Now, remind the listeners what Del Toro, when he was developing the film, what his original version of the team's going to be. Well, yeah. So, in Del Toro's version, he, he is going to have John Constantine as one of the members of Justice League Dark, uh, along with Swamp Thing, Dead Man, uh, Zatanna, and Etrigan the Demon. So that was his original lineup. Now, it seems that the script that he has written 
And it seems like they're basically going to work very heavily off of that. Um, but one of the other things that we're hearing is that, you know, maybe there's going to be a Madame Xanadu included in the team. Now, Which would make sense because she was an integral part of the New 52 right. uh, Justice League Dark series. She was actually one of the original members and actually continued to be a member through almost the entire series before it was canceled. Right. Well, and then here's the other thing, too. So now, you know, and this is just speculation on our part and other people as well. I've heard other people say it as well. But this would be a perfect opportunity to bring, you know, Carl Delevingne in as the Enchantress and and be involved in this as well, because it would totally dovetail right into um, really what we're going to be seeing in this movie. Well, and it just it adds more into interconnective tissue between all these films, right. which I think is what you want. Now, Scott, you were telling me about Ron Perlman. Yes, it is rumored that Del Toro wanted him for Swamp Thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yes, please. <laughs> yeah, now, perfect. I did not think that Ron Perlman would be a good casting decision for Alec Holland. Yeah. Uh, Swamp Thing, human alter ego, depending True. on the interpretation of the character that you read. Mm -hmm. uh, but the idea of him being the Swamp Thing, mm -hmm. the avatar of the green, yeah. that would rock my socks off. Yeah, And, be... you know, Del Toro and Ron Perlman go way back, all the way back to Hellboy. Mm -hmm. So there was a relationship there. But it seems like that the studio execs, when Del Toro suggested that, apparently even after Del Toro kind of exited the project, mm -hmm. that was an idea the studio went, oh, let's keep that one on the shelf. We, yeah. we want that idea. Yeah. No, I definitely like it. I think I think that would be really cool. And, and you know, this is the other thing too. I, I really love the idea that we might be seeing kind of a third incarnation of the Swamp Thing on uh, the big screen because we actually had the two movies earlier. What was it? Like 80s? It was 1982 was when Wes Craven did the first one. Right. And then they actually, there was a second movie, right? Yes, there was a second movie and then there was a television there series. There was a television series. Did that actually air in the United States? Uh, yes, it did. Okay. I don't remember seeing it. I think I was probably distracted in college. At the, but um, but yeah, I mean, there's a pretty long history here of Swamp Thing out there. And I just would love to see a modern interpretation of it. Because just thinking about the things that they could do now that they couldn't have done 30 years ago, uh, it would just, just be, I think it's going to be incredible. Especially incorporating the mythology that Alan Moore and Scott Snyder oh, right. has have generated. I mean, Alan Moore took Lynn Wein's original creation and really delved deep, even to the point where that was where John Constantine first appeared. Right. And then Scott Snyder's run at the beginning of the new 52 just I felt like delved even deeper into it. Yeah. So and and all those previous incarnations were only worked from the well, the original Lynn Wing creation, which wasn't quite as rich in the mythology that Alan Moore later brought character. Mm -hmm. yeah. So my personal opinion that you know that that was an opinion piece brought to you by Scott. <laughs> Thank you very much, Scott, for that. Um now the other thing that kind of came out of this um, this actually is all from the Latino review. They were actually saying that John Constantine, Del Toro's choice for John Constantine, I guess the studio was not on board. And so that's why now the studio is, is you know, looking at Colin Farrell and, you know, and maybe Ewan McGregor. But I'm really curious, like, I wonder who Del Toro wanted for a Constantine. Because the article doesn't say, does it? It doesn't say, no. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, maybe that'll come out someday. But uh, the other thing, too, is that they did say that out of these two actors, Farrell and McGregor, that if, you know, whoever doesn't get Constantine would likely, um, they would try to get them to play Etrigan the Demon. Well, I could see you McGregor as Jason Blood. Yeah. So, I could see that, especially if they go with like the Jack Kirby original that he was like an apprentice of Merlin mm -hmm. kind of thing. That would work. Yeah. Well, the question I have is, you and McGregor, can he rhyme? Uh, he can sing, so I think he can rhyme. Okay. <laughs> because, I mean, let's let's remember, Etrigan is a rhyming demon, which is one of the one of the worst ever, right? So. 
hold your tongue, sir. <laughs> so uh, what, whatever. Jack Kirby was very interesting when he created that character. <laughs> so you can stop it, sir. Yeah, no. But I mean, seeing the demon on the big screen, that would be cool. oh, creepy. Now, they were also talking about a, a dead man as well. And what they said in this article is that they're looking to use dead man to kind of do some comedic elements in the film. Oh, that would work, especially with the body possession thing that's yeah. kind of dead man shtick. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of funny things you could do. Oh, yeah. Now, this was the one that got me was that they're actually looking for a Hispanic or a African-American actress to play Zatanna, mm-hmm. which would be kind of casting against hype for what Zatanna is normally uh, depicted as in the comic. But when I heard Hispanic, I liked that. I mm-hmm. I really thought that, I mean, that would add some diversity to the cast. And I really feel like that the way the character is interpreted in the comics, I think that would be a, I think that'd be a good choice. Yeah. Well, so now I'm, I'm trying to think back here. Is that really casting against the type that we typically see here represented as in the comics? Because it seems like it's always been a little bit ambiguous to me. Well, it's considering her her father's horror goes all the way back to like like the 30s and the 40s where everything was pretty much whitewashed. Yeah. So I would suspect that it's been traditionally Caucasian yeah. since her inception. But I mean, when it comes to something like this, it matters zero to me because I think her race is not at all central to what Zatanna is. Though I, I completely agree. Yeah. So find but, the best actress role is what I say. Yeah, that's the important thing. Yeah, there's that should be absolutely the most important thing. So, Tim, you know, so for Madame Xanadu, they're talking about this Monica Bellucci as their top choice. Do you know who that is? Well, um, well yeah. I mean, she was just an inspector. She was? Yeah, you just saw the film, right? Do you remember right. who she was? Uh, she was a Bond uh, girl. Oh, 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 <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yes. Scott McClellan gives his thumb approval to yeah. that casting choice. Yeah, Thank is it much. one thumb or two thumbs up? It's two thumbs up. Okay. Two thumbs up way up. Uh, she is interesting. She she is um, she's an older act. Well, older compared to like normal Bond girls you would see. But um, I I don't mind at all. Uh, yeah. So if you've not seen Spectre, mm-hmm. go see it, and you will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so she's actually. I mean, she's about fifty, right? And I think that's yes. like a perfect age for Madame Xanadu. Well, yeah, because you get that. And trust me, she does not look fifty. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. Um. So for a character who is supposed to be sort of magical and a little immortal. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, she would. And she's Italian, so she's kind of got that otherworldliness yeah. about her. Right. Uh, that would be perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. So, yeah. So, let's see. These are all rumors at this point, but, uh, you know, there's probably something to it. You know, that seems like most of this information is coming from probably some talent agencies that are actively working to try to find the talent for this. So, yeah. But moving on, there's actually a villain who is rumored to, I guess, be the main um, the main villain in Justice League Dark, and it's Anton Arcane. And the actor that is rumored for it at this point is Ben Mendelsohn. Do you know Ben Mendelsohn? I, I know you've seen him, but do you... I've seen... Uh, you know, it was one of those things where I have to be completely honest. I'm looking at my show notes. So it's like, when I saw the name, I was like, who? Yep. And then when when Tim wrote down, he played Daggett in Dark Knight Rises and I went, oh, him! Yeah, okay. that guy. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, he was the <laughs> one that... It's uh, one of those actors that's... It's one of those, oh, that guy kind yeah, of actor. Yeah, he's got the face that you know, but not necessarily the name. But Right. Yeah, he was actually... So in the Dark Knight Rises, he was the businessman that actually hired Selena to steal Bruce Wayne's fingerprints. And then, and probably more famously in that movie, he was the one that actually got strangled by Bane when Bane was done. With yeah, he was, he was the stooge, basically. Yeah, yeah, it was basically the stooge. But So yeah, and apparently Ben, the word is that, you know, he's going to decide uh, whether he signs on for this role or not based on who directs the film. So kind of interesting. So Interesting. And for those of you who might not know, Anton Arcane is the arch nemesis of Swamp Thing. 
Right. Yeah. And he's the one that created like uh, what was it? The Unmen. The Unmen. Yeah. yeah. That that comes back from the like the Lin Wein original. Yeah. Like it was like issue two of the original Swamp Thing was when our Antonio Kane got introduced. Yeah. And then Alan Moore and Scott Snyder took him in some very interesting directions, giving him powers and uh, you know making him more formidable as a as a Swamp Thing villain. Yeah. Well, and he's actually the father of uh, it's Abigail Arcane, which is that was like uh, Holland's Swamp Thing's uh, basic love interest. Yes. Yeah. But only after he became the Swamp Thing. Oh, it wasn't before. I'm trying. No, to he was married. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't and remember if he was involved with her at all before he became Swamp Thing or not. No, that was purely. It was kind of a Beauty and the Beast thing going on. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's why we have Scott, the DC Encyclopedia, on this show. So Thank you very much. You seem to remember all this stuff. And so, but there's one last bit of possible rumors about Justice League Dark. And we actually have two different people, or in one case, it's duo. It's two different people that are kind of a directing team. And then there's a second person that is being considered uh, to direct uh, this film. And it sounds like WB is looking to get directors that kind of have um, a little bit of a history of kind of directing and filming things on the dark side. And these rumored directors, and I'll probably butcher these names. You will butcher these names. I will. But the, the first one, and it's actually a directing duo, and they directed Big Bad Wolves. Um, the director's names are Aaron Cashales and Navit Papushido. So hopefully I didn't mess that up too bad. But these guys actually did Big Bad Wolves, which I have not seen. I took a look at it on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's actually uh, certified fresh at 78%. So. Um, I've never even heard of them. Is it a foreign film? Um, I think it is. So I don't know if that's the Americanized name. Okay. You know, but we'll have to dig into this further, especially if we find out that, you know, these guys actually sign on for the film. And the other director was a uh, Fede Alvarez, who actually did the 2013 remake of Evil Dead. Yeah. Which I have to admit, I didn't see only because I do have a soft spot for the really <laughs> cheesy Sam Raimi original. Yeah. So, but do you hear anything about the film or did you see it? I have not seen that one either. Uh, I remember okay. I remember hearing it come out, but I just, I never saw it. But I, I did look this one up as well on Rotten Tomatoes and it's at 62%. So both of them are pretty good ratings. And uh, so this is, this is definitely encouraging. I, I like the idea that they want to get somebody, you know, that's already kind of done some films along this line. I, I like the idea that they're going for a hard yeah. because I really feel like if you're going to do a Justice League dark movie, yeah. you need at least a horror flavor to it, especially with the quote heroes that you're going to have a film. Right. And I did the air quotes since we're on radio. I know <laughs> that really helped. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see. But I'm still actually hoping that we're going to get Guillermo del Toro here because, you know, it was rumored that he had moved off of this project to go do Pacific Rim 2. And what we're hearing now is that Pacific Rim 2 is kind of in development hell right now. It's just not, it's not really moving. So who knows? I'm holding out hope that maybe there's an opportunity to get him back on it because I would, I would probably pick him over any of these other directors because, I mean, quite honestly, Guillermo del Toro, you know, worked in the horror side as well. Yes, he did. I mean, yeah. so it works. Yep. Um, not a lot of TV news this week, but there were a couple of things that Tim and I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. One good thing is that, hey, our ratings continue to look good on our DC TV show. So, yeah. yay. Yeah, I saw like Gotham was, uh, it was holding steady at around 7 million viewers an episode and Supergirl was around 8. So they're kind of going neck and neck, you know, w- despite these two airing at the same time. That's a pretty big audience for the two shows, if you combine them together. Right. Well, I think what you, what you're benefiting from is people like me who you watch one show, but then you go immediately go back and watch the other show. Yeah. It's not like you're dealing with an audience where you're only going to do one or the other. Mm-hmm. I can watch both. Yeah. Especially if they're counting in the 
the time shifted view. Yeah. Well, and then you know, so Supergirl. I'm I'm glad to see that you know she's still pulling in pretty good numbers there, and I'm I, I'm still hopeful that you know it's going to grow even further as you know more word gets out about you know how fun the show is. Well, and the show just continues to get better. Yeah. And that's the best part. I mean, yeah. this last episode Monday with Livewire. I mean, for me, you know, growing up, and I remember the Livewire episode from mm-hmm. Superman the Animated yeah. Series where she was introduced, and it was just like, oh wow, they really did this right. Mm-hmm. Well, and and actually, so Livewire, uh, that was an actually an episode we were supposed to see this upcoming Monday. Yeah, it was episode five, and uh, they moved it up because apparently episode four, which was called uh, "How Does She Do It," yeah. apparently the CBS was a little concerned that the plot points about bombings in National City might be a little, I don't know, touchy and sensitive mm-hmm. or something like that after the terrorist attacks Paris yeah. that occurred last weekend. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I've always, whenever these things come up, I, I kind of always ask myself, you know, is it really necessary to be that cautious about, you know, what you're putting on TV? But I don't know. I mean, it, it, at the same time, I mean, I think they're being very conservative. They're out of an abundance of caution of sensitivity to, you know, what had happened. You know, they decided to go ahead and flip-flop the episodes. But I don't know. I, I kind of take the standpoint that when these things happen, um, we should just carry on and continue on with, you know, with life in general and not really have to, to change things around and move things around so much. But but I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't blame them. No, and the best part is that except for one subplot point going on, you really were able to watch Livewire without seeing the previous episode. Yeah. And you didn't, for the most part, you didn't feel like that you were missing anything. Yeah. So that was nice. And you got to see Helen Slater, you know, our original Supergirl. So it was like, yay. Yeah. That's good. You know, kind of moving on, Constantine, remember we talked about the signatures uh, that are out there on this change.org petition to try to get Constantine back on TV. So originally they started off with a goal of, you know, getting 5,000 signatures. And then that went up to, I think they went 30,000. I could be getting this wrong, but they keep bumping it up. Well, they're actually, as of this recording right now, they're sitting at just above 69,000 and they have a goal of getting 75,000. So That's insane. (laughs) Yeah. So that's good. I mean, it it shows that there is definitely a lot of interest in the character and in the show. And, you know, and we've already said it's unlikely this is going to actually bring back a Constantine show. But I think it's notable. You, you know, it's getting to a point where you need to start taking a little bit more notice. Well, once again, we th- I think our the, the show's official stance is yeah. that it won't bring the show back. But I think you'll just guarantee that we'll probably get more Matt Ryan appearances on the WB Arrow Flashverse yep. Yep. or Legends of Tomorrow. But I also think and this was a thought that just occurred to me. This kind of fan uh support mm-hmm. is probably something that may be helping to fuel this development of Justice League Dark. Right, right. With John Constantine being a central figure, mm-hmm. if not kind of the de facto leader of the group, yep. seeing this much love for the character, maybe they think that that will translate into that film, and maybe that's why suddenly we're getting a lot of rumors and news about it. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. And like I said, I love Matt Ryan, but Colin Farrell is an excellent yeah. film choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the idea that we can see both of them. I'm not one that says that we have to have the two universes mixed together, TV and, and the cinematic universe. I like them being separate. I think that gives the, the filmmakers a lot more freedom to tell the best story. Yeah, I agree. 
Now, um, we, we just mentioned the, uh, the Paris terrorist hacks, and I think that it's only out of respect that we should mention that um, DC Comics announced that a partner of theirs in France, uh, Urban Comics, did lose a team member you know, th- during the attack last Friday. I, I, we don't have any more details than that, mm-hmm. but I just felt like that we should kind of take a moment out of respect. And you know, now that we have had a week to kind of, kind of fully realize what was going on yeah. in Paris last week, just to you know, give our thoughts and prayers out to everyone who lost someone or has someone who was injured in those attacks, and you know, someone in sort of our wheelhouse, our comic community, yep. was one of the fallen. And so, it just reminds you to be thankful for what you have, especially kind of with American Thanksgiving coming up in yeah. a week or so. Yep, definitely. Couldn't have said it better myself. So, um, we actually let's move on to this. We actually have some kind of fun news here about Cleveland. <laughs> So, of course, Cleveland, Cleveland is, of course, uh, kind of famously the hometown of Siegel and Schuster, the creators of Superman. And they actually, for the longest time, you know, they, to me, I don't, I don't think I've seen Cleveland kind of really embrace this. It sounds like Cleveland is actually going to be building a Superman statue. I don't know if you got a chance to see this. I did see it. And it, well, and it, and it was just a, more like a a concept model Mm -hmm. because I think it's, it, it needs to be addressed that it's not the city that's building it. it well, is, the, the, the statue is being privately funded. It's just the city has approved the use of yeah. the land. Like, the, the permit's been granted or They've something. certainly embraced it. Though. They've embraced it, but it is not the city that is paying for it. Yeah. So, but still, I, I think it's cool. I mean, it is, you know, they weren't, a, at least one of them was not, I can't remember if it was Siegel or Schuster, one of them was not originally from Cleveland, one of them was originally from Canada. Yeah. But still, they were leading, they were living in Cleveland right. when they created the character. Mm-hmm. So why not? I, I, yeah. I'm shocked there's not something there already. Yeah. No, I think this is great. I mean, you know, over in Illinois, there's Metropolis, Illinois. They have a yearly Superman celebration. And so they've been doing what Cleveland should have been doing quite a while ago. So, you know, maybe this will be a start of them, you know, maybe starting to kind of celebrate probably the most substantial superhero character ever created. Um, I know some Batman fans might argue that, but. Well, no, the Batman fans, and I'm one of them, can't argue because Superman was the first. Yeah, I mean, he was we first. have to respect yeah. he was the first. Yeah, so I love the idea of this, you know, and maybe someday they'll expand upon it. You'll start to see a lot more interest in, in uh, you know, maybe seeing this, maybe even a Superman museum. Who knows? Ooh. That would be kind of cool. That would be cool. Uh, Tim, can we talk a little comics news? Absolutely. Okay. Um, because we are the Suicide Squad cast, yes. I think it's important to announce that new Suicide Squad, the current monthly title that features our characters, is getting a new creative team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited I because the writer, Tim Seeley, is the man who is currently writing the Grayson mm-hmm. monthly series. And listeners, if you are not reading Grayson, it's what awesome. have you been doing? What have you been doing? <laughs> that is a fantastic series, especially if you dig sort of the super spy James Bond kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Dick Grayson as a super spy <laughs> is super sweet. Yeah. And it uses the spiral organization that Grant Morrison created during yeah. uh, Batman Incorporated. So right. the idea that he's going to sort of take over new Suicide Squad, especially leading into the buildup to the 
the movie. I think this is awesome. I think this is a great choice. I, I can't wait to read it. So, you know my theory and other people's theory that Dick Grayson is somehow tied to Suicide Squad in the film. Yes. You is have it, said this on multiple occasions. Yes. Is it a coincidence that the same writer is going to be scripting both? You are you are a conspiracy nutjob, sir. I, I am. I am. You are a conspiracy nutjob. Yep. I need to go get my tinfoil hat. <laughs> yes, you do. Anyway. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, this coming Wednesday is the release of issue number one mm-hmm. of Dark Knight 3, yep. The Master Race. I have various, variant covers on order, <laughs> of course. Uh, I'm a huge Frank Miller fan, mm-hmm. and it is being co-written by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello with art by Andy Hubert. Mm-hmm. Frank Miller just gave an interview this past week that suggested that while it's being advertised as the end of the Dark Knight trilogy, that he is actually game for writing a Dark Knight 4. Yeah. That he does not see Dark Knight 3 as the end of his Dark Knight saga. And the interview talks about, and, and this is a paraphrase quote that he said, I have to respect Brian and what Brian did. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, that kind of confirmed for me that yeah. this book mainly Frank Miller's ideas, maybe some of Frank Miller's plot, but Brian Azzarello was really the one who went off and wrote the script. Well, and there was a reason for it, right? Because, I mean, Frank Miller had been dealing with some some medical issues. And, right. And we've never really been sure what those medical issues were, except for whenever you saw him, he just did not look well. Yeah. But well, he seems to have bounced back from it. He, yeah. he looks a lot healthier now. He's out there more now. I mean, we're seeing interviews with him, and, you know, we've been seeing him out and about. He just did, like, a Q&A today as well, right? Yeah, on Twitter, which, yeah. of course, I have a job, so I wasn't actually <laughs> able to be a part of because it was, like, at noon. Yeah. Uh, some of us have to work for a living. Well, I mean, you should have you should have found a way to make this a teaching moment for you. Right, with Frank Miller. With Frank Miller. Nothing risky there. Nothing risky, nothing inappropriate. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. Yeah. Uh, so, you know what? If he wants to go off and write more Dark Knight, more power to him. I'm just happy that he's bounced back from whatever health he's had. Yeah, I mean, good for him. He brought so much joy to some of my teen years when we started to see some of his work. Uh, certainly, you know, Dark Knight Returns and then Batman Year One. So, um, I'm not sure if joy is the right word to use there. Yeah, it, but was, okay. it was for me because it was like it was like taking, you know, characters that I loved as a child and, you know, and I was at a point where I was about ready to put that behind me and then I realized that there was some real substantial and meaningful things that could be written about the characters. And it, it really kind of it solidified my love for comics. Well, you know, I unfortunately was too young when it first came out because mm-hmm. Dark Knight Returns gave me nightmares when I first read it. <laughs> but of course, I was ridiculously, I was like nine or ten. Yeah. A nine or ten year old should not be reading Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> what, what what specifically gave you nightmares? I'm just curious. Oh, uh, well, I don't know. Dead Boy Scouts from Cock Candy and a battering <laughs> okay. sticking out of Joker's eye? Fair enough. What fair do enough. you think? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I, oh, just, I was just curious. I was a Boy Scout. Seeing a panel of dead Boy Scouts does not help your childhood nightmare. Right, right. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> and then lastly, kind of talked about how he, Frank Miller really feels like that his greatest legacy with the Dark Knight series is going to be in the character of Kerry Kelly yeah. and um, that he's kind of toyed around with the idea of doing sort of an all ages mystery spinoff book featuring mm-hmm. her kind of I felt like kind of like a, a Robin Nancy Drew 
was mm-hmm. kind of the feeling I got from it. And you know what? I would love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be fun. Mm-hmm. I, once again, it, it, another all ages book featuring a, a female lead. Yeah, I think would be a would be a great addition to my comic library. So yeah, uh, everyone get ready to go purchase them on Wednesday. So I'll be downloading it on Comicsology. So. And I will be buying multiple copies because I need <laughs> my copy to display. I need my copy to biagon board, and then I need my reading copy. Right. Right. So okay, I'm a nerd. Yes, you are, and we all are, and we're very proud. So yes, we are, man. So great week of news here. Lots of uh, a variety in the news here. Um, so so much to look forward to. Um, just a little quick announcement. We're going to go ahead and wrap up here. We are going to be also doing an episode next week. Uh, I know it's Thanksgiving and we're all going to be with our families, but we talked it over and we found that we're going to still be able to record as usual and we'll still be putting out a, an episode. So enjoy the time with your friends and family watching football and, you know, enjoying Thanksgiving. And then, you know, come Sunday morning, there'll be an episode waiting for you. So, hey guys, man, that's it for this week's podcast. And first of all, we want to thank you again so much for listening. And, uh, you know, we hope you enjoyed this show and a discussion. And it's been a lot of fun. And do not forget, we love to hear from you guys. We Let us know what any news you want us to touch on, if there's something you'd like to talk about. And so, Tim, where can they find us to tell us things? Yeah, the quickest way they can contact us is to send us a message, you know, using our Twitter handle for uh, the Suicide Squad show. And it's at Suicide Squad Cast. Twitter. If you want to reach me individually, you can reach out to me at, at @allenfire. And they can find me at scottdc27. And then of course, you can also reach us by email, which is at suicidesquadcast at gmail.com. Yep. We will answer all tweets and emails from fans of the show, sometimes faster than others, but you know, it's the holidays. Yep. Give us a break. Yep. And but we love to interact with you, so please do not hesitate to contact us. We will get back to you. Trust us. Yep. And then also, you know, I don't know how you guys found us. I know we've been getting a lot of new listeners here lately that have kind of stumbled across our show. Uh, however you've found us, please make sure you subscribe to us. Um, and then you can do it through iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast is becoming quite popular. Uh, we have Satchel Player. Um, now, pretty soon we're going to have Google Play Music coming out. We also have just an RSS feed that you can add anywhere. Uh, you could even add it to Outlook and subscribe to us that way. So anyway, please subscribe. And Scott, now we actually had two reviews this week. I know! It's been a while! Yeah, well, we, nice to have some reviews. Yeah, so we're starting to get some. Now, remember, we have a contest going on here. The next 10 reviews from when we started the contest after our last contest, the next 10 reviews are going to have a 1 in 10 chance of winning uh, either a Superman, Batman, or a Wonder Woman uh, figurine uh, worth up to $20. And so, so far, we've had a total of four, and we need six more to get to that, the end of the contest, where we'll go ahead and randomly select a winner. But entry number 13 comes from King Kanai, and it says here, thank you for your help. Uh, So I stumbled across this podcast about a week ago when I was at work. I have now listened to all of the episodes you have out. And may I say that you two are not only hilarious, but you are also very knowledgeable. I am also very pleased to listen. And he says, thanks for being responsive on emails. And that's what we've said. We'll respond back to you. Uh, Without that, I would have not been able to figure out how to write this review. And he says, Tim, thank you, man, for your help. My pleasure. And he said, you guys are awesome. I love everything DC and this podcast is what I wanted to listen to. You touch all the bases I was looking for. And I would love to know where you two stand on Batman v Superman. Who would win? Batman. (laughs) uh, Superman, I would say. I mean, I love Batman, but let's face it. Superman should win. But it's probably going to be an even fight. We'll see how they 
they how they play Batman. So we know where Scott stands. Batman. Uh, yep. <laughs> so again, he says he finishes up. He says thank you for this podcast and for your help. Also, beware of the wall. Thank you very oh, much. Oh, thank you so much, King Kanai. And don't forget to email us and let it, well actually he emailed us so yeah, we, he did we know who us, you yeah. are. Okay, yeah. never mind. Yep. That's why he was thanking you. That was, that was kind of a love fest for Tim on that one. Yeah. Now the next one also did uh, uh, contact us through Twitter, and I think yes. I think the name is Romeo, although I'm not sure. That's the name that shows up. Yeah, he calls us classy fellas. Well, yep. thank you, sir. Yep. Keep up the good work is how he entitles his review. He told us, you guys got class. Very mature. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> you guys are a great balance to each other. Love your taste in music in the end, LOL. Love the inclusion of the Suicide Squad trailer in the first episode. Why, thank you. Yep. I, too, am a family man, so it's nice to have a podcast that I can share with my wife and two-year-old. A lot of other podcasts, though I enjoy, the excessive cr- cursing and crudeness is unnecessary. <laughs> Trust me, I understand, Romeo. Yeah. My one weird negative feedback is the intro music. Though I love stringed instruments and other orchestra sounds, the violin puts me in a solemn mood. <laughs> okay. I even have to turn volume down, then turn up again, or skip 15 seconds. I know it's random, but trust me, you guys are pretty much perfect in my opinion on your podcast. I'm not saying you have to full junkie XL on us, <laughs> LOL, even though I'm not opposed to that. I'm excited about this contest. I'll be messaging you on Twitter soon. The guy with the kid and Batman pick have wanted to write a while ago. Couldn't remember my password. Don't you hate when that happens? Yeah, that's the worst because, I mean, we have like 50,000 passwords we have to remember now. But Romeo, I do want to say this, man. Message received. We are going to scrap our intro music. And uh, man, you're spot on. You know, we didn't even quite realize it, but we have been putting you and the rest of our listeners into a solemn mood. And we do not want that to happen. And Scott and I talked about this before the show. We did. Yep. We are going to correct some of the errors of our ways. And uh, Scott, what song did we decide to go with? I guess, you know, if we didn't want to be solemn, only way we could go was Jump Around by House of Pain. Yep. That is going to be the new official Suicide Squad cast theme song. Yep. So, Romeo, thank you very much. Message received and the music is gone. So, so guys, we are only six people away from our next giveaway. So, if you are listening to the show and love it, enjoy it, please jump on iTunes. Leave us Or a, jump around. Yeah, or jump around. <laughs> leave us a five-star written review. And it has to be written because that's the only way we can, can really know who you are. So, leave us a five-star written review and you will be eligible for this contest. And at this point, you will have a one in 10 chance to win. So there's no reason not to do that. And also the last thing, send us an email. Let us know you left a review. It makes it easy for us to contact you. So Scott, that's it, man. That's it. Hey, to all of our American listeners, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Drive safe. Enjoy time with your families. Yep. To all of our international listeners, enjoy your week. Yeah, that's right. All right, guys. Have a good one, man. See ya. Pack it up, pack it in. Let me begin.
All right, Romeo, this is Tim, and uh, I just need to say something to you here. Now, you said that you couldn't listen to the music that I composed and that you sometimes have to turn down the volume or skip ahead 15 seconds. Romeo, you will listen to that music, and you will love it, and you will not be solemn. Scott, what do we need to do to Romeo's fast-forward button? We've got to take care of it. Let's do it. Jump around. Jump around. Jump up, jump up, get down. Jump up, jump up, get down.